Okay, here they are, direct from the West Mall. Let's welcome Twang Twang Shakaboom. Welcome to the It's No Secret podcast. I'm Catherine Cuellar. This week's episode recalls Twang Twang Shakaboom's formation. From communal impromptu jams on the University of Texas campus West Mall to the band's first gig at the legendary Cactus Cafe. My Anastasia, she wears an honest blue dress. Bassist Jeff Haley. Well, they were freshmen. I was a sophomore at UT. We would go out and play in this part right outside the Cactus called the West Mall which was like an open area, and usually there'd be political speeches or something there. It wasn't really like a music hangout. Is there anything from the West Mall, any memory that jumps out at you? West Mall memories? Yeah. Bassist Jeff Haley spoke with percussionist Chris Searles via Skype. Our goal that day was to get enough tips to get to Conan's. Uh And we pulled it off, and so that's that's basically how we sealed the deal that we were going to do it again, you know? And we ended up at Conan's with Tim and Powell and probably Lee and Tommy. Lee Tennant was David Garza's neighbor in the Taos co-op. How did you get permission to do that? Or was there any sought the first time? Did you just ask for forgiveness? Well, we never asked. We just kind of went for it. And then there were some problems that came up where we had to register as a student group. Jeff Haley and Chris Searles spoke with Lee and Twang Twang Shakaboom sound man Jan Darbro in Austin. Because we were, we were students, so I think somehow we had the right to be there if we organized as a student group. So once we organized as a student group, we could play. They, didn't ever, they never tried to stop us again. And you know, we played once a week there for probably you know, at least 15 times, maybe 25 times. Yeah, most of the first semester and off and on after that. Yeah, I guess it got a little trickier later on. But I'm sure we were still playing in the spring, too. That's probably when Jan took all those great photos. The whole West Mall thing, David Garza, can you tell us in your own words why the West Mall was important or special? I don't feel like I'm a boaster, but I have to boast. West Mall was a shit. It was all my idea. (laughs) It's true. That's true. Mic drop. I mean, the very first time we played, the two things that really were kind of thrilling were, again, David's facile ability and such a complete musician at such an early age and so broad and diverse and deep and, you know, facile. He was an incredible entertainer and he would bring people together like no one else in Austin, obviously, since or before. And he'd play and sing these songs that he'd written that everybody there could relate to that were brilliant lyrically and melodically. And and then he was playing crazy good stuff on his guitar and he was making it work no matter what, you know, come what may. And all of that was just really revolutionary in a very small way. And then, of course, being out there next to these beautiful old trees and the, the grackles and all that stuff permeated us and our music in a way that was both organic and as natural as drinking water, but also much deeper and and more meaningful to me and and probably you and and I I think definitely David than we really knew at that time. And that's what I think twang at our best is. We're this river and the thing that gave it 
gives it its flow is the, the audacity. Thousand roses, thousand roses for my sweetheart. I will plant a thousand sitting behind the drum kit or with your bongos. You know, bongos. Lee Tennant was David Garza's neighbor in the Taos co-op and a twang twang shakaboom muse. When you were sitting behind that and you would look out at, you know, the crowds that would gather on the West Mall, which kind of, for the time, radically changed the flow of traffic Yeah. for students in between classes. That's yeah. a major intersection on campus. It's an iconic spot. What did you find yourself thinking? Can you recall what was going through your mind when you'd watch this crowd flock and gather? Um, well, the first time we played, we were just trying to get enough tips to go buy pizza. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the first time. I was like, well, I think it's going to happen. You know, I think we're going to get that $23. Or <laughs> After that, I think it was just always... I mean, the David experience is always in the moment. You know, mm. there's no, There is no time. There's only the present. So, seriously. So, that was 
I don't remember thinking anything other than wow the whole time and don't mess up. Okay. But if you do mess up, it's okay because someone else is playing cowbell right now and, you know, it's all fun and games. It was very interactive, those first shows yeah. on the West Mall, yep. handing out the triangle and the shaker yep. and, yeah. What about you, Jeff? <laughs> what were you thinking looking at all those people? About the West Mall? Yeah. Because the first time we played, I mean, we were guessing, but we thought we had maybe 300 people, you know, which is probably not accurate, but it was a lot. It was definitely more than 30 people, you know. It, was, it filled well, up. Well, also the numbers are constantly changing. I mean, probably 300 people sat and listened to at least one song. Through the course of the whole 45 minutes or whatever. And you know, another thing that I remember, sorry to interrupt you, but was being blown away by David all the time because he just kept it going and he, you know, he was already like a mature performer. Could MC and showcase. And the next song was started as soon as the last song ended and, you know, he made the audience laugh and he would walk out and put his guitar behind his back and sing without his guitar. Mm -hmm. And Jeff and I were just along for the ride. But, yeah, a lot of people played on the mall, you know. Jan Darbro, a.k.a. Jan Darbro, Twang Twang Soundman and Tour Manager. But I think you guys were uh, pushed into uh, permits and all that because there's crowds. so many crowds yeah. and so many people. The crowd was so big, you know. Other people, you know, drawing 15 or so people didn't really get anybody's attention, you know. It's I pretty think amazing. That interactive part was, was it felt new. I'd, I'd oh, not really spent did. a lot of time really at UT did. before that, but it, it felt like because people would crowd in, they'd jostle for the right seat to be able to right. see. They would Try learn the words. They would, the yeah, yeah. That that interactiveness it must have caught the attention of someone who said, "Okay, let's at least have a minimum of structure on this movement and <laughs> get a handle on it." It's odd, isn't it? It's, it was. I mean, I think the band was just well liked mm-hmm. by the powers that be. There was only one time the cops came. This guy, Kevin Turf, that ran Enviromedia for a bunch of years and now has a Broadway hit called Come, F- we Come, Come From Away. Um, you know, he's we're what we would be class of 94 or something like that, 94, 95. He's probably class of 90. And so he was the president of... Student Radio. And he just told the cops that they had sponsored a show for us to play. After they shut us, as they were shutting us. They were trying to come over and, Ah. you know, kick us off. Okay. But we were right in front of the architecture building, you know, and I remember windows would go up after a while. People wanted to hear us. Yes. Those poor Plan 2 students who needed a break from whatever they were cracking their skulls open for. Yes, they needed that. Somehow it was like it was okay with everybody. Tommy Tennant met Lee and became best friends with her while they were neighbors with David in the Taos co-op. Lee hardly ever got to go to any of the West Mall gigs, though, with me, because, like, she was always working at the parking garage. I was very much lived my life on campus, like, I mean, going to classes sometimes, but, like, mostly, like, hanging out on the West Mall, like, going to their gigs or, like, just running into people, skipping classes, blah, 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 you know. Twang Twang Shakaboom's probably responsible for my GPA being about one point lower than it should have been because, like, I would always end up skipping so many classes, like... (laughs) Because I'd always go to the gigs, and even if they didn't interfere with classes, you would run into people, and then, you know, then like, oh, well, let's go for a coffee at the Cactus Cafe, or let's go eat, or, you know. So, yeah, I did not do well my first semester of college. I was put on academic and had to, like, write a letter and, like, promise, like, second semester I'm going to get my grades up. Wish I did. Oh, listen. Stratosphere, Jupiter, nuclear wars. 
I'll see all these on my next vacation if I save my money and keep my grades. And I remember like going to the first few and like, and the crowds just kept getting bigger and bigger. It was just so enjoyable, you know. What can you say? I've seen some of those pictures and you got really good capture on yeah, the totally. faces in the crowd of yep. people just blissfully joyous, having their best moments in the middle of their day. That was it. That was all those small shows. And there are photos that, you know, show that you can't get all the people into the, the frame um, after we'd been doing it for a while. But his, his natural habitat seemed to be the West Mall. And, you know, and you and I were just kind of another thing I remember being thrilling is looking at you and you smiling and us just being like, what is going on here? You know, because all that had happened was he suggested we go play on the West Mall, you know, and it was you guys got together in a little uh, practice studio and he showed you a few songs. Mm. He, he figured out that you wanted to learn how to play upright bass because you were trying to play jazz. I'd and, been playing for about a year at that point. Yeah. And you know, you're still trying to learn how to play changes. And we wanted to be in the one o'clock band or whatever it was called jazz orchestra. Uh, and I guess we both were, but we were, yes, we were. Yeah. So we could play, but you and David got together. And so it's, you know, a lot of one, four, five, basically kind of songs. And that seemed pretty easy. And he figured out you had a great ear. And so he could throw anything at you. And he figured out that you knew who the fine young cannibals were and thought it was fun to play that song too. And <laughs> yeah. You guys instantly were bonded and matched um, musically. And so then we, you guys, I think both were like, let's just go play out, you know, up on the West Mall where all the students are. And we weren't a band yet, but seeing you smiling, um, seeing him literally kind of take flight and levitate above the crowd, and then seeing all those faces, you know, some of them were our friends literally but it felt like every one of them were our friends um emotionally right away and we had this different thing where we were we were anti-cool you know we didn't we didn't like the artifice of rock and roll which was at a particularly high point then because you know horrible bands like guns and roses were sort of dominating <laughs> world and we came up in this era of mtv where things were shifting into being more about image than than quality and so we showed up in T-shirts and, you know, tennis shoes and acoustic instruments and good songs. And then we were pretty good players. And, and all of a sudden it was like we found an audience instantly because David was so great at being in the moment and um, and connecting with people. And he was funny and, you know, he was his songs were witty and uh, we had cowbells and you know, it was a racket and uh, we would get people that couldn't play at all to, at the finale of each little performance on the West Mall mm -hmm. to come sit in with us and it would just be chaos. And I had the bag of cowbells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the crowds on stage, that's another indelible memory. Yeah, well, that started on the West Mall. That was that thing that Dobby just did naturally. It's like, come on. Pull everybody in. Yeah, Stand close to me while I do this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess people knew it would end within an hour or something, and it was kind of a refreshing little deal. A lunch hour thing. Yeah. Come out and get your happy before you go back it's to your up, afternoon it's the classes. Upright bass, man. Who doesn't love a good upright bass? <laughs>
Fiddle. How often do you see an upright bass on this? Street? That's right. That walked all the way from <laughs> three quarters of a mile away uphill. Uphill in a beige leather case. <laughs> leather. Mm. <laughs> remember how that leather case felt? I don't. I just remember carrying that thing like a canoe for three quarters of a mile uphill. That was always good. That's okay. that's also what I remember about the. I was telling Jeff when we talked before about playing on the West Mall is seeing, you know, kids, seeing students' faces light up at what he was singing about because most of the songs were about relationships. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what he was singing about, partly because I couldn't hear a word because I was trying to play drums and I wasn't used to listening to words. And, you know, I didn't know the names of the songs for 15 years. (laughs) I was just trying to play along, you know, but seeing people that were... Their story was being told by David yes. in those songs. That's the thing that really, really. That's what made that, that like, wow. crowd so devoted. Yeah. They, f- they felt personally connected to the lyrics and they could practically touch, you know, receive from y'all's hands the instruments to participate in these yeah. songs that were the story of their current life. Yeah. That was a, a really important moment for a lot of people. And, uh, yeah. To be there at the birth of a creative movement, it it's felt what really people, empowering. I think most want from. Music. Two lonely people tried to quell each other's loneliness. They found it when they separated. All that they anticipated suddenly disintegrated. They felt so cheated, but that's how the story goes. Yeah, that's how the story goes. So you should always give your love away, give your love away. Should always give your love away, give your love away. Sing it. Just to be in it themselves and get elevated the way it elevates. Mm-hmm. The musician and to feel like it's telling their story they can story. relate to it you know it was just this incredible community right away with david the kind of stuff that people talk about now in social media and business integral to doing anything well david was that all the way through from the very beginning and it was a joy to get out of being in a stuffy music environment or a wannabe music environment. And it always amazes me looking back on that. Like nowadays, that wouldn't be that hard to do because of tweeting and YouTube videos and emailing it. To, like with social media, I feel like it's easier to do something like that now. I don't understand how Twang did it. Like, I mean, it was all word of mouth, f- printed out flyers. You know what I mean? There was no social media. So it's weird that it like took off and like people would even know about the gigs, you know, enough that like quite a big crowd would show up at every gig. And then, you know, that's when they started getting gigs and, you know, paying gigs. Jan Darbro was host of Open Mic Night at the Cactus Cafe. I had been running it probably about a month, I think. I'd taken over from uh, Bruce Newman and Bruce came up to me on that Monday and he said, hey, I've got these guys here. They want to play tonight, you know. It was long after registration, and there was no space for him to play at all. And Bruce just kept, oh, yes, please let him play. And Jeff was standing right next to him, and I remember this very clearly. Jeff was just kind of, he had his head tilted, and his eyes were big, wide, like, you know, <laughs> one of those puppies in the little dog pictures you see over the fireplace going, oh, we want to play. You know? We and, all know the look. Yeah, we know the look. And, uh, and I said, all right, let me see what I can do. You know, so there was a spot, my spot, which I usually kept a little place for me, you know, right at prime right. time, of course, you know, and which most nights I gave away anyway. 
And uh, so I said, yeah, all right, you guys come on and play for that, you know. And they said, all right, that's all right. It's at uh, 10.15 or 10.30, something like that. And You and were there, fine. sure. Mm-hmm. And the place, you know, Monday nights is, you know, you've got uh, the performers and one or two of their friends come with them. And so that's the room, you know, you know, 20, 30 people, you know. And, uh, uh, oh, yeah, 10.30 you're playing, and about 10.15, the place just was wall-to-wall people. Just came rushing in the door. We're going, what the heck, you know? And then, of course, we put, uh, you know, Twang Twang Chockaboom went on at 10.30 with this huge crowd that came in with them, and they just rocked the joint for three songs, and... Holy mackerel, my hair was blown straight back. And I, I was just in, in love with the band from that moment on, you know. It was just, just an atmosphere that came off the stage, mm-hmm. you know. It's like three instruments, you know. Of course, Fritz plays 15 instruments, but, you know, the percussion, bass, and, and guitar, but it sounded like just a huge wall of sound coming from these guys. It was just, just amazing, and I was a super fan from that point on. They almost didn't get to play, but they played, and they brought a crowd and as soon as they were finished them and the crowd went out the door it started a long relationship with the cactus though yes it sure did that became a home base yep again one of those places where for david forever yeah yeah we all think of as as a home space for for the sound thank you thanks a lot um uh by the way uh we're really like this is uh the reason we wanted to do this show here at Cactus, um, is really because, don't tell anyone we said this, but this is our favorite place to play. Um, because it's just the vibe in here is always just, um, just so groovy, man. Um, and like, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so we went, uh, this is the first place we played indoors, I think. Um, so, um, and they were really cool about it. So we, we came, uh, gosh, in early October or something. Just so all together. And uh, so we wanted to do a pre-show here um, to say, you know, it's our way of saying thank you to our fans. You know, because like when we're up on stage, um, it's like the, the, the reaction and the interaction between the performers and the audience on stage. It's, it's, yeah, we, um, but see, this one here at Cactus Cafe goes to 11. See? It feels magical to look back and think how this all sort of burst out is a little bit of a dramatic way to describe it, but it, it felt so ingenious and organic to a particular moment that if everybody hadn't arrived at UT at that time, if they hadn't taken the certain classes or paths across campus that they took, if they hadn't stopped for a second and given themselves a break in the middle of the day, if I hadn't moved to Taos, I, I would not have stumbled across any of this. And it, the gifts that you guys showed, people from all walks of life, that talented skill was new for a lot of us to be around to be in the presence of, to be able to talk to somebody who could do that felt really amazing. I thought of all three of you as wizards for the longest time. Just there was this magical power that channeled through y'all and it affected everyone who felt it. And it was just amazing. Well, thanks. 
Wizards. I, <laughs> wizards, I don't know about. All three of us get the wizard card, but I give one to David for sure. I had never had close contact with anybody who had talent like that before. Yeah. So it was it was like standing next to, you know, the actors from Star Wars or something. It was just really, really cool to be in the presence of people who could uh, make that sound. We felt the same way about you. Y'all created all this for stuff. Real. It was amazing. Wow. Thanks to Lee, Jan, Tommy, and Twang Twang Shakaboom, singer-songwriter and guitarist David Garza, percussionist Chris Searles, and bassist Jeff Haley. The It's No Secret podcast is produced and edited by Jeff Haley and me, Catherine Cuellar. In our next episode, Twang talks through the tracks from their first semester recording session and has their second legal tangle with Officer Bocephus. We're in Apple Podcasts now. If you like what you hear, please review us. Thanks for listening. I just thought that was such a cool story. Like, it's like got so many details about 1989. The year, the number. The sound of a funky sound of a drummer. Funky drummer. It truly really was the sound of a funky drummer.